So we know that we spend usually about a year working through a gospel, and then there's another year, and then there's a three-year cycle. We know this. And this year we've been reading through the gospel of Mark. And usually when we go through the gospels, we go pretty slowly, right? Because there's a bunch of Sundays in ordinary time, and the gospels are not ultimately that long. So Mark especially is the shortest of the Gospels, and so when we read through the Gospel of Mark, we go quite slowly through, through the passages, oftentimes not skipping any verses between Sundays. This week, I noticed when, when I was preparing, this week is different. Uh, so last week, remember, we heard about blind Bartimaeus, right? So Bartimaeus crying out, asking Jesus, the son of David, to heal him. Uh, and Jesus heals him and says, you are healed, go your way. And he says that he follows him on the way. That was Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. This week, we jumped all the way to Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34. So we skipped something like a chapter and a half, uh, which is confusing to me. I, I, don't, I don't actually understand why we did it. Um, because what caught my attention this week is when I recognized that we skipped a chapter and a half, I went back and I read the part that we skipped. And that's kind of what caught my attention, actually, is, is what leads up to this scene with Jesus. So just to give a little sort of summary of, of what we missed out on. So at the beginning of chapter 11 in Mark, uh, Jesus enters into Jerusalem. This is like the triumphal entry, the, the Palm Sunday, right? When he rides into town on a donkey and people are waving their branches and they're putting their cloaks down on the road. So, you know, treating him as a king because he's entering the city as a king. And they're crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David, Hosanna in the highest. It's this great moment where Jesus is He's finally revealing at least a glimmer of who he is, sent by God as the Savior, the Messiah. And then from there, once he gets into the city, it, he runs into a whole bunch of resistance. So one of the first things he does when he gets to the city is he goes to the temple and he cleanses the temple, right? He's flipping over tables. He's, he makes a, a whip out of cords and he, you know, he chases people out of the temple. Why? Because they're not treating God's temple like it ought to be treated. There's corruption. They're, they're misusing the gift that God gave to them. And so he's, right, he, he, it creates in him a response of anger, righteous indignation or righteous anger from the Lord. And so he, he kicks them out. From there, a couple other things happen. But some of the interactions that we see in Jesus are various people coming up to him and trying to trap him or trying to catch him in something so that they can have a reason to arrest him. Someone comes up to him or a group of people come up to them and they, they question his authority, right? Where did you get this authority to speak in this way? As though they're saying, who are you to, to be doing all of these things? You have no right to do this. Another instance, uh, Jesus comes up, people come and they ask him about paying tax. Jesus, is it lawful to pay the tax to Caesar or not? But the way that they ask the question reveals that they're trying to trap him. In fact, St. Mark uh, mentions this, that they're trying to entrap him in their speech. And so they come up and they mockingly flatter him as though, Jesus, you're so good and you're so smart, whatever you say. But it's clear that in their hearts, they're not being sincere. 
That they, they're just looking for a way so that if Jesus answers one way, then they can accuse him in this thing. And if he answers the other way, then they can accuse him in this other way. They're laying this trap for Jesus, right? More resistance that he faces. Then a group of Sadducees come up, and Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, and yet they come up to Jesus and they ask him a question about the resurrection of the dead. They say, they make up this story of Jesus, there's, there's a woman uh, who had a husband, and the husband died before she could give birth to any children, and so the husband's brother took her as wife, and he died before having children, and likewise, all seven of the brothers died, and so in the resurrection, whose wife will she be? Right? Mocking him and trying to make a joke out of the whole thing, right? Resistance, resistance, resistance is what Jesus meets with when he enters into Jerusalem. And so as I was reading this and, and praying it and studying it, I just, right, there's this feeling of heaviness that can come over Jesus, right? Trying to imagine what it would have been like for Jesus to experience all of this resistance. It's a heavy feeling. You could imagine Jesus in some ways growing weary, right? Tired, fatigued of what the heck? Like all these people, they're just trying to trap me. They're trying to find ways around my teaching. They're trying to find ways around who I am and what I've come to do. It's a heavy feeling. And then this scribe comes up to Jesus, right? And my tendency in reading about the scribe, my tendency is to think, oh boy, here we go again. It's just another person trying to trap Jesus, trying to catch him at something so that he can have a reason to accuse him. Except then when he asks the question and Jesus gives an answer, what does he say? He says, well said, teacher. You're right. Right? Again, imagine being Jesus in that moment. You faced all this resistance over and over and over again. People trying to catch you. People trying to outsmart you. People trying to be deceptive and mocking you and flattering you. And now this guy comes up to you and he's just, he's actually sincere in wanting to learn. What's the feeling that you experience? When I was, when I was reading this, I was like, what a relief. Right? Trying to imagine being Jesus in this moment, it's, it's like the heaviness just sort of lifts. It's like, finally, someone approaches me and they're sincere in their approach. They're, they're honest in wanting to learn from me and not pretending, not mocking, not trying to find a way around what I say, but they're approaching with real openness to learning from me. And so as I, as I said, as I was praying with this and, and imagining being Jesus, it was a sort of lightness, a relief, a, a, a rest, we could say, from all of the resistance. And so I was thinking about this, and I was thinking that, that we, can, we can be the same way for Jesus. Like, do you know that like, when you approach Jesus with sincerity and honesty and integrity, that you can actually bring him relief. That you can somehow make the cross a little bit lighter for him. 
Because when we approach Jesus in that way, when we approach him with within a real kind of openness that that we're not we're not trying to find a way around his commandments. We're not trying to resist him or push back on him. But we come to him with a real openness and a real sincerity. There's relief in that for him. Because it's as though he can finally look at someone and say, finally, finally, someone who sees me for who I am and who I want to be for them. Right? Like when, when, you, when you carve out time in your day for prayer, when you get ready for Mass and you arrive early to pray and just to be with Jesus, when you, when you pick up your Bible to read and you, you, you pick it up with sincerity and openness as though I maybe am not going to understand everything that I read, but I'm, I'm just eager to learn from him. When you do those things, you bring Jesus relief. Like there's something about it. Like, so Jesus, Jesus delights in all of us, right? He, he delights in all of us, but there's something about those who step forward wanting to learn more that it almost, it's like it brings him greater delight, right? Like a teacher who's, you know, teaching the whole class and then some of the students, it just seems like they really grasp it, right? Like the teacher is happy to have all the students in the class and is willing to teach those who are having a little bit more difficult time uh, with the lessons. Absolutely, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But to be a teacher and to see one of the students then, whether through struggling or just getting it naturally, to see that student step forward and, and you know, like, it's so clear that the student gets it, right? That brings delight to the teacher. It's like, ah, oh, yes, they're actually learning from me. This is amazing. What a gift. It, it, it brings about the kind of response that Jesus gives, right? Wait, you are not far from the kingdom of God. It's as though he's saying, you're on the right track. Keep going. And this is what you and I can do. But only, brothers and sisters, only when we approach him with sincerity and openness and honesty, Right, because we know this. We know that in the world, and sometimes even in his church, Jesus faces a lot of resistance. We know this. In the world, sometimes even in the church, there are people who hear about Jesus and they're just trying to find a way around his commandments. Or they hear about Jesus and they're just trying to find a way to disprove that he is God or they hear about Jesus, or they hear about people who are following Jesus, and they begin to mock him or flatter him with the intention of being deceptive. We know this is the case, again, out in the world, but also we know this is the case sometimes in his church, among his, his own followers. And so when people step forward to go out of their way, we could say, to love him, that brings him relief and comfort. And so I guess it, it, it begs the question, how is it that I, how is it that you approach Jesus? Do you approach him 
with sincerity and a real kind of openness. As though you say to him when you come to Mass, when you come to pray, when you open up your Bible, you say to him, Jesus, I don't know that I'm going to understand everything. I don't even know that I'm going to agree with everything. But I want to learn from you. Because ultimately, you are the only one worth learning from. And I just, I see the way that people are resisting you. And Jesus, I, I want to offer you no resistance. I see the way that people resist your commands. I see the way that people blatantly break your commands. And Jesus, I want to live your commands. I want to give you a little rest, Jesus, from all the resistance that you experience. And I just, I want to be with you and spend that time with you and learn from you. What we're going to do after communion today is we're going to spend three, four, five minutes in quiet prayer, just being with Jesus. Having received his body and blood in the Holy Eucharist, we're going to sit and just pray in silence. And my invitation to you, and this will be the same thing that I'm going to do, is in the silence, maybe to open your hands or to, to say something to Jesus in the silence of your hearts that says, Jesus, open my heart to you. And I want to open my heart to you in a new way so that I can learn from you, so that I can be sincere in the way that I approach you, so that I can bring you relief just as this scribe did.